And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that revolves around the sun. I'm Tim Cato, I write and talk about the Mavericks, and we're going to talk about heliocentrism today. Luka Doncic, his usage, how much he just touches and dominates the ball has been the conversation over the past week or so, and boy, it was highlighted without him in the Mavericks loss to the Houston Rockets on Wednesday. I've got Mike Pellucci, you know him, co-host. D Magazine, uh, sports side, uh, uh, sports strong side, sports editor. Sort of S's involved there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's like a tongue twister. And we've got Seth Part now, who athletic contributor, uh, contributed to a lot of other places. Used to be analytics director uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. How are you, Seth? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely appreciate it. Um, let's just start with the obvious, which is. When you wrote the word heliocentrism into some article like three years ago, did you ever imagine that it would turn into basically this basketball lingo that is used to describe this phenomenon of an offense revolving around one player? Not at all. I was trying to be I was trying to be cutesy with the headline and 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 use a big word and 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 that's the one I picked and um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I was on a Copernicus, uh, a Copernicus kick or whatever, but uh, <laughs> just it was it, 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 it. There was no thought that went into it as a as a thing, and and now it's a thing. Um, and I think it's 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 a reasonable thing. It's just it's just funny that that you know anyone who's ever like gone viral in any way for anything, it's like oh that was not intentional. It just kind of happened that way. It's a good term to describe kind of this. Uh, this phenomenon, like I said, I mean, for you know, the, the, the Mavs more than any team at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll get to them. But I, I first want to ask you just where did heliocentrism come from in the broad scheme of the NBA and how schematically the league has shifted to revolve around, you know, single ball handlers and offenses? A lot of it of course, comes from the three-point era and the the rise of spacing and the changing pick-and-roll defenses. But I feel like you can explain this even better than I can. I mean, I think it's, it's you know, if, if, if listeners have any sort of like gaming background, the, the concept of min-maxing is essentially what, what, what's going on here. Uh, the hardest, you know, the hardest skill to find at a high level uh, in the NBA is on-ball creation. I mean, there's... there's uh, and and to be clear, it's it's high level on ball creation because the difference in value between mediocre on ball creation and good on ball creation is tremendous. So players who are kind of above the line of this is useful, this is helpful, um, are hard to find. Um, 
So what if we just uh, we we just loaded all that burden on one guy who can do that, and then use our resources, use our draft picks, use our our salary dollars, use our 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 minutes and roster spots on guys who can do all the other stuff, and let the one guy take care of that one thing, and you know off ball shooting and wing defense and and rim running and 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 things like that are you know they're not. Easy, easy to find, but relatively, and in terms of you know what they they cost in in terms of whatever, whether it's dollars or, or draft capital or what have you, they're they're cheaper. So you can get more bang for your buck by loading up on this one guy, and um, and you know um, filling up all the other skills with 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 kind of you know specialists and role players around them. And I think we've seen in a number of different examples that that can be very effective in the regular season. Uh, the problem is it's brittle. Uh, both in terms of, okay, you're very dependent on the one central star, uh, but also if if you are called upon to play a different way, you don't really have much in the way of other options. That sounds like a right. very apt Dallas Mavericks description right there, Seth Parnell. <laughs> I mean, it's it, they aren't the first team to have this problem. I mean, it's it's you know the the Harden Doncic uh, comparisons have been have really been made since his rookie year, and it's a similar problem to what some of those Rockets teams had. And frankly, those Rockets teams had, I would say, more talents to kind of overcome than than this Mavericks roster does. Yeah, we've seen enormous usage rates before, even before the three-point era as we know it now. Kobe Bryant, of course, you know, was somebody who would spike into the 35s and the 36s when it comes to usage rate. Doncic right now is right around 40, and the, the only other two comparisons, you know, the only two players to have a usage rate over 40, which means when they're on the court, 40% of the possessions are ending in them, whether it's a drawn foul or a shot attempt or a turnover. Uh, the only two other players is James Harden and Russell Westbrook is MVP season. And, you know, obviously, I do think a lot of this also comes from the, the three point era. Just the fact that there is so much spacing that it's harder to play traditional pick and roll coverages that a lot of teams have recognized that the best pick and roll defense is to switch and to switch everything. And that uh, kind of forces teams into this isolation heavy style that does revolve around pl one player um and and there's pros and cons to that as as you as you hinted um you know as it as it relates to Dallas and Doncic you know i i guess the first question i have is is how much is it caused by the player who is capable of it and how much of it is caused by the roster around it and i think the answer is kind of both yeah yes. but in, in <laughs> Dallas we've we've clearly seen that you know it's it's both Luca does want to play this way to an extent, but the Mavericks don't have a roster that would realistically right now facilitate a dramatically different style of play. Um, I, you know, I hate to have to use it as the comparison just because the linkages are always going to be there. But I, mean, I think you, you see it a little bit in Atlanta where there has been some willingness uh, on the part of Trey Young to alter to some extent how he how he's played. Um, I think we saw it. We saw it to even greater effect in kind of bef before everything went completely to shit in Brooklyn, with when Harden first got there, and he he basically played like game manager point guard for the first three quarters of games a lot of the time when he was playing alongside Durant and and and, and Kyrie, uh, and then in fourth quarter is like, well, I've got a bunch of energy, so I'm going to 
wreck stuff now. Um, so we've we there is precedent of players kind of seeding some of that given the roster around them. I don't know if how much like this is a demand of how Luca must play. Um, like certainly one of his big, you know, burst on the stage moments was, uh, was Eurobasket 2018. Is that, do I have that? 20, 2017. 2017. Uh, yeah. When, you know, the, he was, I think he was the best player at the tournament, but, but Goran Dragic won the, 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 the most viable player of the tournament. Uh, and that certainly was, was, was two was multiple ball handers. Now both of them have have a little bit of a ball dominant style, so it was a little bit your turn, my turn. Um, so I I think there's probably some of it. That's the way he prefers to play, and it's also the way this roster is built up. And the question is kind of can they do anything? And is he at the point where he's ready to? Okay, I need to become more of a spot up threat. I need to work off ball. I need to be a decoy. Some more, and I and I'm okay with that. Even if the the person who has the ball isn't as good as me. Well, yeah, so I think b- it's it's two separate questions, right? It's it's is Luca ready for it? Mm-hmm. Um, but that can't that couldn't even be answered until the roster is set up for it. Yep. And I think uh, Mike Pellucci, you had Istok Franco uh, in D Magazine, uh, a piece that you know you you worked with him on and edited. And I thought it was really telling that, you know, it's not just a Luka thing. It's a Luka Doncic and Spencer Dinwiddie thing that right. they control the ball. They have the ball in their hands. And I'm quoting Istok right here. Uh, more than 70% of the time each game. It's unprecedented for two people to control the offense so much. Even other heliocentric teams such as Atlanta and Memphis have three players within the 70% mark. Uh, while most teams spread that load around among uh, four or five players. That's me quoting what is talk road in a, in a really good piece on D magazine. Uh, what was your takeaways from that, uh, Mike? And, and just broadly, you know, what is talk road? Yeah. Well, the, the, the follow-up to that is, and this is a really good point that is talk made was we watched this team, the Western conference finals last year, and we watched the golden state series and we thought, okay, they have pushed this to its end point. They cannot play this way any more than they already have. And then Jalen Brunson leaves, and they basically consolidated three players' touch load into two. And I guess my question, you know, even before we sit here and say, will Luka change, which is like, or, and what would cause Luka to change, it's, you know, and Seth, maybe you can answer this. Are we, are we at the end point here? Like, what is the end point of heliocentricity, either in Dallas or in general? How much more can one or two people do? than what is being done right now. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just wondering, is there have they already pushed this past level 11 to some uncharted terrain that nobody's getting to again? I think they've pushed it past the point where returns diminish. Um, the The way that, that I've liked to put it is, I think you're better off rather than squeezing the extra 10%, the extra whatever, like, pick a number, 10% you, like like time on the ball or, or involvement or however you want to say it. Pick, pick a, pick a re- relatively small number. You're probably better off instead of squeezing that out. Uh, instead, having, the, having that one player have a lower usage, but having the threat of them be – a factor in 30% instead of essentially, I think the, 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 the non like Luca possessions, he's, he's a passenger. And that's, that was a, that was a, um, 
a characteristic of Harden when he was, you know, in Houston that, that prior to this year, that was a characteristic of Trey Young. Um, and I think that, you know, you basically, okay, say he 60% of your possessions run through him and you don't have to care about him on the other 40% of possessions. Or 50% have to run through him, but you have to worry about him, you know, 30 or 40 of the, uh, like, most of the, the remainder of possessions. One of those is obviously better. Like, the, right. the, the 10% you're giving up, you're more than making up in the defense having to account for you know, okay, well, he can spot up, he can cut, he can, he can, he can duck in for, to a post up. He can, he can beat us in all these different ways. Um, and I think, especially for a player like like Luca, who you know, you talked about the rise of switching defenses. Um, nothing really comes easy for him. Like it doesn't. He can make the hard stuff, but just from a sheer like physical, like that's a lot of bumps. That he takes to 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 get to his stuff, and I think that regardless of his conditioning, which is you know issue, which is what it is, regardless of that, um, it's it's you, he has to work really hard. So if he's going to do that all game, it's I don't think it's, it should be a surprise at all that that he gasses out in fourth quarters a lot. Yeah, what you're We're, referring to is what Jason Kidd referred to when he was worried Luca would burn out by Christmas. Yeah, and so here's here's the tension that is really fascinating to me, right? I don't think anybody believes this is ideal. But if you look league-wide, this isn't just a Dallas problem. Dallas is kind of a poster child for this. But if you go to the top 20 usage usage rate seasons of all time, right, none of the players in that top 20 won an NBA title. 14 of those top 20 usage seasons are by currently active players, and eight of these top 15 are the last four years. So, it, you know, even this year, right, Luka isn't even the usage leader in the NBA as of last night. It's Giannis. Giannis is above him right now. You have Joel Embiid on that list. Different type of player, but still usage rate going through him. You have John Morant on this list. And so you have this tension of this has not worked yet, and there are red flags for why this may never work, but teams continue to seem to be leaning more into this than ever and trying. So why is that disparity? Do, or is, this, is this a matter of teams maybe think they can be the ones to crack the code, and it's the rest of the development meme of just because it didn't work for them doesn't mean it can't work for us? Or uh, is there really a way to find a, a sweet spot here? And if so, what is that? So I think, I mean, usage rate is a, is a pretty blunt measure of, of involvement. And sure, I think you, you you start to look at like, you know, you mentioned the time of possession and also just like the, the you know, observationally, just the amount of time it's Luca do everything. I think that uh, this has at times been a problem for the Sixers with Embiid. But I think that one of the big differences, I mean, you know, my, my last year with the Bucs was 2019. Uh, that was sort of Giannis's first big year. And a lot of it was Giannis, here's the ball go. Uh, and frankly, against the Raptors in the playoffs, like they figured that out. And part of the one of the reasons the Bucs were able to break through was, all right, well, Chris Middleton's got a captain the ship, uh, you know, in crunch time, maybe because his because of his ability to create, you know, against set defense from the mid range. Uh, Drew Holiday gives us another option to to do some stuff, and that lets Giannis do things like play as a dive man in a, in, in a pick and roll and stuff like that. So I think that the 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 actual scoring usage may have maintained, but they found some easier ways to get there by these other players. Now, obviously, okay, yes, yeah, add two add two All Star perimeter players to the Mavericks, and what does it look like? And and that's obviously not. Um, not really plausible, so it's not a, not a totally fair comparison. But I think that that you you have seen 
in some ways, just the rebound and uh, against the edge of heliocentrism. I mean, I think, I think a trend that I'm sort of watching is teams are are going back to multiple ball handlers and playmakers even more. I think a big part of Utah's success in the early season is they've had four and five playmakers on the floor at once. Cleveland, the now these are these are players who by skill set and sort of um, inclination have more off ball than than you know a Doncic or a Harden in terms of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. That's worked. That seems like it's worked pretty well with those two balancing, even though they haven't because of injuries they haven't gotten a ton of reps together. So I think we are seeing that you know if we back off of that, just some of the underlying stuff is sound. Like we don't want. Yeah, the Mavericks don't want to be in an offense where a big creation burden falls on Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith is a very good player. That's not his jam. But maybe, okay, we've pushed it a little too far and it's time to pull back to, to a little bit more of a, of, a, of, a, of a happy medium where we're getting the most, not just out of Luka, but out of the team by using the threat of Luca to, to open open space for other people. And not just the threat of him with the ball, the, the his presence, where he doesn't actually have to expend much. He can just kind of stand productively and and other players can like use his gravity to, to their benefit. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You've said, we've said, I think it's understood that where heliocentrism, where this focus on one offensive player really fails for teams is in the postseason. Why Why is that? Uh, is it is it as simple as the increase in minutes and fatigue? I, I know that has like that's obviously a big factor here. Are there other factors that go into uh, the, the struggles that we've seen from teams that are dominated uh, whose offenses are dominated by one player in the postseason? I think that I think it makes you really easy to game plan for this part of it. I mean, I think over the course of the series, like, OK, we're going to throw six different defenders at him and, you know, I. Uh, boxing analogies or whatever, but it's like, all right, we're going to, you know, just spend the first three games just throwing body shots and and see if he still if he, he has any legs left by game four, game five, game six. Uh, that that I think that works both over the course of a game, but also cumulatively over the course of a series, and if fortunate enough over multiple series. So I think that that just sort of, you know, having to beat your head against that wall. To win two, three, four playoff series, I think you, you said the degree of difficulty is is high. Um, is is I mean, the degree of difficulty is always high to to progress deep in the playoffs. But I think I think that you're sort almost uh, you know blunting your best weapon by. And we've by almost letting, seen that. We've yeah. almost seen that in the regular season thus far, where. You know, I had a a joking conversation with a Mavericks executive about how all teams in the league should get on a conference call and collaborate and say, hey, we're going to make Luca, you know, expend as much energy in every single game. And it was a joke and and obviously not enforceable, but teams have done this to an extent Uh, that they're slowly changing how exactly they play. But there has been a big emphasis on making Luca work, making Luca get his points uh, and not uh, helping uh, to the point that the Mavericks are going to get into this humming ball movement, uh, pass around the perimeter offense. Uh, and there's also been a point to some extent, or maybe this is just natural from the defenders, that they're banking a lot of contact with Luca. They're they're fouling him. Uh, at one point, Jason Kidd talked about how uh, after a game, uh, Luca had been fouled a lot leading up to that game, and and he praised Luca for landing on his feet more. And it like that directly makes me think of, you know, just how much work it is to absorb as many fouls and and go to the line and and drive as many times as as he does as a player. And so, you know, when when Luca when this conversation about Luca just, you know, 11 and 12 games into the season um, is about will he burn out by, you know, the end of the calendar year, which is not how you should be talking about your star player, you know, a, a, you know, one fifth of the way into the season, uh, even less than that. I, I think, I think that's a large part of it that, that we're already seeing teams take lessons from what works in the postseason and apply it, uh, to this player that isn't really able to be stopped by any single scheme or even multiple schemes, 
on a single night basis, but you apply that over a longer stretch, even a regular season stretch, and it is taking something out of him uh, that, that that's affecting him, and that's causing the Mavericks to really second-guess and reconsider this approach. I mean, they, they might second-guess and reconsider, but... Then what? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the question. Like, what? what where do they go from here? Yeah and, yeah, and that's a really hard one to answer. No, and this is this is. I mean, this is you know, um, this is a, this is a weird situation that they find them. It's, it's an unfortunate situation they find themselves in. It's it is it is hard to see a way out that does not involve moving a direction other than forwards first. Um, yeah. And that's and that's hard because you can't like you, you can't barring an injury you can't just tank with Luca so that's not the way it's going to work but you have to do something to you know the the Mavs have for basically since the championship year have kind of always ended up with with rough not but fairly full cap sheets and you know you 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 okay. Dwight Powell making, you know, double digits per year. Dwight Powell's fine, but you you start to stack those those 10, 12, 14, 18 million dollar contracts together and all of a sudden, oh man, we're we're not just in the we're we're not just over the cap, we're butting up against the tax and we haven't even made a move yet. So just getting to the point of kind of clearing all of that up and then frankly being more judicious in the future about not not giving out these you know four year deals with for 12 and a half million for a guy who's a you know a fourth to ninth guy in your rotation well, well that it, leads us to an obvious question <laughs> this this does a difference of scale because Jalen Brunson was obviously not your ninth player in the rotation but the figure that Dallas would have had to pay, presuming he even wanted to come back, right? You know, let's but let's imagine a world in which Jalen calls Dallas and says, "Look, cut the check. I'll be there." On the one hand, we sit here and say this team needs more ball handlers. The league's going to more ball handlers. That was a ball handler who knew how to play with Luka Doncic. On the other hand, that would not have been the most efficient pricing. Looking back at it now, it, did Dallas make the right call to let him go, or are, you, are they having some second thoughts? And if you're them, should they have second thoughts, seeing what they look like now? I think the thing that I'll say is that the collective offseason didn't make any sense. I think for those reasons, letting him go rather than than you know getting up to like thirty million a year was right. But then why are you handing out multi year contracts to JaVale McGee and and you know bringing in Christian Wood at, at, at big money? Like it's like okay, we've done the first step of not digging the hole deeper. So let's start to get ourselves out of the hole of, of kind of our messy books. I mean, it's not that, I mean, the, the, that was less about Jalen Brunson and more about having, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Davis Bertans and, and Dwight Powell and, and all these other players on, on the books for cloggy amounts and, and multiple years out. Um, so you got to st- you got you have to stop that somewhere, and I think it's defensible to say, okay, Brunson's where we can't, we got to stop now. But then following that up with with moves that sort of almost further compound the underlying issue. They is, resigned Maxi Kleba as well. You know, another player yeah. who's looking like he's you know starting to feel his age. Yeah, I, I really like Maxi Kleba, but I do too. again, 
But it, it's, it's again, if, if you're like, you know, your second and third be- or even third and fourth best players are Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba, <laughs> like how good does the one guy have to be? And, you know, basically it's like the only guy who's been able to really have success in, in that sort of construct is prime LeBron. And as good as Luka is, I – I don't. I'm not hating to say that he's not, and probably will never be as good as prime prime Lamar, prime LeBron. I, th- I think that's. Uh, I think that's fair because that is that is the highest bar to clear. Let me just end this podcast by by asking. You know, I, I think we've kind of covered the rise and perhaps fall of heliocentrism. Like, I, I think teams are starting to, in some ways, move away from it, or, or we're seeing teams at least understand the limitations of it. Do you enjoy it? Do you, do you think that this has been a good era or a fun era of basketball to watch and consume? There are different ways you can do it. Like you mentioned, like, I, I find Memphis very watchable. Um, there are times where I think the Mavs are very are, are, are very watchable, and there's times where it's a little sloggy. Similarly with Atlanta, um, the late-stage Harden was not super, like the very static version of it was not very. And I think that's 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 part of what makes kind of the 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 Grizzlies and the Hawks maybe a little more fun is there is there's movement at least. Um where whether it's guys coming off a of pick and roll or there being some kind of action on the weak side. So it's not just, you know, everyone look at me, I'm going to go between my legs three times and step back and shoot a jumper. Um, which is more the hardened way. And and Lucas is, isn't that, but it's more, I'm going to dribble a little bit. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to run into you. I'm going to step back. And sh- it, it's like, that's neat. What he's doing is mechanical. What he's yeah. doing is mechanical, but how he's doing it is not nearly anywhere close to as mechanical as James Harden could yeah. be. Yeah, but, it's a, a, but it is clunky yeah. just from an aesthetic standpoint. Mike, any closing thoughts? No, I mean, I think the the question is, I think we know where they are. I think we know how they've gotten here. I think we know they, what corner they backed themselves into. The story of this team and the story of whatever Luka Doncic's tenure in the intermediate future is going to be is how they get themselves out of it, or if they can get themselves out of it. I think I think that's where the Mavericks are, and, and I think, you know, enduring the season, finding ways to make it a little bit better so that Luca isn't burning out like Christmas again. A quote that came from the head coach of the team. This isn't you know some speculation. I think if I can, if I can break in, I think we're we're going a little overboard with with, with stuff. Like I, I that. would agree. I would agree. I mean, I, That's I, why I, I specify it's from the team yeah. because I I wouldn't say that. Quite frankly, yeah. I think it is a bit much. I think it's it's quite yeah. excessive. I mean, I think so. I mean I think it's like not to make a you know it's a different thing, but I think oh everyone thought the Suns were going to be turmoil this year because of the way and so we're kind of we're a little bit carrying a playoff narrative over into the regular season where it doesn't necessarily apply there's still things you worry about like you know fourth quarter offense giving up leads and stuff like that but they're still going to be good enough that they'll be fine so the so the sun that we're actually revolving around is phoenix not luka Doncic. Uh, here it is all along probably should stop recording now it's only downhill (laughs) yeah i think we'll end it there uh on that terrible joke but uh thank you seth for uh with us uh thank you mike and listeners thank you we'll see you next week
See ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. <laughs> Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.